Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me today. So the only announcement I have is we are joining Tennessee Paranormal Research for an investigation in Lynchburg, Tennessee. We'll be going to a funeral home that's reported to be haunted. So keep an eye on the Facebook page as we will post updates. But now on to today's topic. So I've talked about this several weeks ago, but we will go in depth and explain the origins and the theories as to what they are, and even several documented cases. Today's topic is all about poltergeists. So, cue the intro. So in the episode that I had just mentioned, I'd explained how we get the name poltergeist by the combinations of the German words poltern, meaning noisy or disruptive. Another definition of it is to crash about. Geist, meaning ghost, spirit, and I just found out it even means mind or imagination. It's still being debated on what poltergeists actually are. Uh, some say they're spirits that set themselves apart from other ghosts only by being disruptive, making sounds. Others believe a poltergeist is entirely separate of its own from spirits. But today we'll find out exactly what they are. And in order to do that, I feel we have to find the first documented report of a poltergeist. So this is the earliest documented case I could find. And it was from the year 1654. Uh, the case is referred to as the Glenluce Devil. This event took place in Glenluce, Scotland, and was recorded by a man named George Sinclair, who was Glasgow's first math professor and demonologist. So, personally, I feel that's kind of an odd combination, but hey, if it worked for him. Even to this day, Glenluce is a small village. So the story that is documented by Sinclair is a family known as the Campbells lived in a village until one night in 1654, a beggar named Alexander Agnew knocked on their door. Uh, basically, what he was doing was he was trying to ask for money, but the Campbells didn't have much wealth themselves, so they turned him away. And the story goes that he then cursed harm upon the family. Uh, shortly after this experience, uh, strange things started to happen. The patriarch named uh, Gilbert, he was a weaver. Uh, it was reported that his equipment would be found in uh, random places and oftentimes would be found broken. Uh, after confronting his family about these events, he assumed that it was the beggar, but there was no evidence of that. So following these events, uh, whistling sounds could be heard as if uh, children used to make with their small, slender glass whistles. So following these uh, accounts, rocks would start being thrown at the house and their clothes would be found shredded or torn apart completely. 
Now, if that's not enough, uh, I'd read that their clothes would be torn as they were wearing them. Okay, yeah, I would leave the house. Uh, the happenings, however, did not stop there. The sheets on their beds were yanked off, and Gilbert soon thought that the devil himself was responsible. But they couldn't keep the tax secret. Soon, clergymen and their neighbors had overheard, and the Campbells were advised to leave, as they should have been. They did not leave. Uh, Gilbert was then advised to send his children away, under the assumption that the devil was after his kids. He once again refused, and so things became more violent. That's pretty much uh, data of the year right there. Uh, following this escalation, however, a priest had arrived. By blessing the house, it seemed this entity was then able to communicate with them. The family then realized that this entity wanted his son, Tom. The entity threatened to burn the house if the child did not leave. The priest asked the entity to reveal itself, and it responded with, I'm an evil spirit, come from the bottomless pits of hell. Uh, years later, the attacks eventually stopped. Because the thing is, with poltergeists, they don't haunt forever. There is a beginning and there is an end. I mean, there's hell in the middle, but there's always an end to the hauntings. But it's unclear what the entity actually was, and it's speculated that the beggar placed a curse on the family. No evidence of this was found, but what I found interesting is according to mysteryuniverse.org, the beggar was the first recorded man in Scottish history to denounce the existence of God and was hung for doing so in 1656. Some cases most of us are familiar with could serve as good examples. Uh, one of them is the Bell Witch in Adams, Tennessee, and another is the Einfeld Poltergeist in England. With the Bell Witch, however, I will cover it in another episode. But as for the Einfeld Poltergeist, I've already talked about it. But as I mentioned before, The Conjuring 2 is based loosely on the events of the Poltergeist. A lot of the things in the movie were exaggerated, and to my knowledge, the identity of the spirit was never uncovered, and the two sisters, Margaret and Janet, did confess that some things that happened were of their doing. Uh, during an interview, both girls were asked, how does it feel to be in a haunted house by a poltergeist? Janet's reply was, it's not haunted, while her sister quietly mumbled, shut up. Um, me personally, I, I can see a skeptic's point of view with this case being staged, but I can also see some of the events that took place were in fact genuine, but I'll let you all decide that one. Another case is one I've heard about recently, and I wanted to do some research into it so I could cover it for myself. This story is about a cemetery in Edinburgh, Scotland called Greyfriars Kirkyard. The man centered around this story was named Sir George Mackenzie of Rosenhaw. Mackenzie was born in the year 1636 in the city of Dundee, which is currently Scotland's fourth biggest city. Uh, from what I read, Mackenzie had grown up to be a lawyer, but he was given the nickname of Bloody Mackenzie for his treatment of Scottish Presbyterian Covenanters. 
According to the Covenant's website, they were a group of people who signed the National Covenant in 1638, which basically, during this time, uh, they had felt that the king, King Charles I, was overstepping his bounds in terms of uh, their religious freedom. He had wanted them to convert, and most of them did not want to. So, naturally, they were charged with treason, and these events would eventually lead to the First English Civil War. But let's get back to Mackenzie. The people who knew him referred to him as, quote, the brightest man in the nation. He was your average family dad. Uh, his role during this time was the main prosecutor of the Covenanters under King Charles II. In 1677, he was known for mainly torturing who the king saw as traitors. Mackenzie would imprison about 1,200 Covenanters in a three-acre field known as the Greyfriars Kirkyard. Many historians believe that this is the first documented instance of a concentration camp. The tribulations these prisoners went through were just awful. It was recorded that prisoners would be confined outdoors for months before their trials. The food they ate was rationed to about four ounces of bread a day, which resulted in many of them dying from malnutrition. Unfortunately, those that survived starvation would be executed or died by other means, such as like disease and exposure. So a few that would be so lucky to survive captivity would be released if they swore allegiance to the king. For those that didn't, months would go by, and once November had came, only 250 survivors were left of the original 1,200. Those chosen were sent aboard ships as slaves, and only 60 survived after the ship had sunk when a storm had hit. The victims who passed in the camps were all buried in the cemetery, and eventually in 1691, Mackenzie himself would meet his end at the age of 55. After he died, he would be buried in the Black Mausoleum, which is in the kirkyard that he would torture the coveners at. Kind of ironic, but fast forward to 1999. A homeless person had broken into the mausoleum, which had been boarded up since 1691. Allegedly, this homeless person tried to break into a casket, and he fell into an old pit. This pit contained the non-decayed remains of plague victims. This pit still had rotting corpses from where it was sealed, and he ran out screaming, and no one has seen him since. After that, it's believed that because of his actions, he released an evil that still resides in the kirkyard. It's believed that this evil is a poltergeist. More specifically, the spirit of George Mackenzie himself. Hundreds of visitors to the kirkyard and the Black Mausoleum have reported leaving with bruises, scratches, bite marks, and even burns. Other guests reported uh, passing out or getting sick. 
there's even been two different instances of an exorcism taking place. And what do you know? Both were unsuccessful. It's been reported that one of the exorcists that took part in one of them died a week later from a heart attack. Kind of ironic, but oh well. And the story of the Kirkyard does not end there. The attacks have escalated enough to the point that the city of Edinburgh has closed the Covenanter's prison to the public and only allows guided tours. So, are you brave enough to take a tour there? So after listening to those cases, what do you all think? See, my personal opinion is a poltergeist is a type of spirit, not its own separate entity. And there's even some modern day cases. There's a YouTube channel called Really Haunted. This channel uploads several videos of paranormal activity in their home, which they believe to be of a poltergeist. I would highly suggest watching some of their videos. And there's even another channel that features user-submitted paranormal videos called Nukes Top 5. Some of the videos are of reported poltergeists. I would highly recommend watching both of those. But now let's get into some stories. You wouldn't believe how tough it was to find these, because when you search up anything involving poltergeists, the movie always pops up. But anyways, here's some stories I found. This first one is called Black Liquid Shapes on Ceiling. When I was around 16 or 17, myself and my sister were living at a relative's home due to issues at our house. We were sharing a room, and one night we were going to sleep. Turned off the lights, and was pitch black in the room. Anyway, after a while, my sight had adjusted to the dark, and I was laying on my back, just looking up, when I could see that the entire ceiling was moving like a black sea of twisting and turning dark shapes. Not identifiable, but moving and swirling. Nothing I had ever seen before. I lay there pretty scared, too scared to look away or talk. And after a few minutes, I heard my sister ask, Can you see that on the ceiling too? I answered yes. Then we ran out of that room and soon after left the house for good. So what y'all think of that story? I mean, it, it probably might not be a poltergeist. It probably could be their imagination, or maybe they were dreaming. But I thought it was a cool story regardless. But this next one is titled, My Fiancé and I Believe We Have a Poltergeist. We've been having major issues at the home. My fiancé's wallet goes missing. My dad's towels are moved. And my fiancé and I have heard a woman screaming, followed by audible drum beats. In the early morning, we hear items being thrown in the kitchen, but there's nothing present. My fiancé is the only one who has visibly seen anything, and he said it was a tall man with red eyes glaring at him in the mirror. I was in the bathroom at the time, but I was vomiting and didn't see anything. We are hesitant to tell anyone because we believe they will think we're insane. My mother died in 2016 and resided in the home. And my fiancé just lost both his grandmother and his mother. We believe it's a poltergeist because it moves objects and makes tons of noise. The other night it rang a bell and we don't have a bell in the kitchen. It's becoming unbearable and scary to be at home. Now that story right there, that is what I would take as a classic poltergeist case. Pretty interesting. 
And so this last one, uh, I couldn't find a title to it, but I did find it really interesting. So here it is. My sister sleeps in the basement in my parents' house and has had some experiences before, but nothing like this. She was sleeping at around 2.30 to 3 in the morning and suddenly woke up to something leaning on her bed by her feet. At first, she brushed it off and thought it was nothing. Suddenly, she heard a child's voice that was completely unfamiliar, and it said, Hi. At that point, she was pretty scared, obviously. She said the room started spinning and heard screams of, like, multiple people and saw her things being thrown on the floor. She says this went on for a really long time, and at some point it stopped, and she laid there for a while, too scared to move. When she got the courage to move, it was exactly four in the morning. The stuff she saw flying was all on the floor. She came upstairs and cried in my room until she left for work. I am kind of panicking too because I felt tapping on my foot last night as well, but brushed it off thinking it was my cat, but she was not in my room. Now really, I didn't, all of these stories just, they, they fascinate me really. But um, I really hope all of you enjoy this episode. And we just hit a milestone. This episode marks our 10th. I find it amazing that you all still enjoy listening to me talk. But as always, you can find us on Facebook, where I keep the page updated often. And you can also find us on YouTube. If you've enjoyed these episodes, feel free to give a rating. If you feel so inclined to do so, you can even give us a review. So I'll see you all back here in the next one. Goodbye.